Wow, that was reasonably painless. I'm Fred McMurray. It's Thursday. Everything seems to be streaming, which means if it's and it's 2 p.m., this must be. All right. Welcome, everybody. It's a very special show today. It's our fourth, one, two, three, fourth anniversary. (laughs) Everyone got their drink? We do. Happy birthday, Chantillers. Wow, we a lot more technology than we had when we first started this, eh, Ray? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot more. Moved beyond the dial-up. Yeah. We've gone beyond the dial-up in the audio only. And, and we have a very special guest appearance by our first guest. Yes. Who's muted. <laughs> That's what we do. I was probably here. muted then too. <laughs> Welcome, Ms. Awesome. Rempel. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Four thank years you. later. Four years. I can't believe it. I think I I have a couple more lines since then, but other than that, you know. We all do, honey. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> there's a reason why I wear the hat because there's a lot less hair and it's what's there's gray. <laughs> Well, you can fix that. Clearly, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. that is a fixable problem. I do. I wear a hat. Why do you so think we used to have the hat rule? Uh, we did, but we have evolved. We're not hat wearing humans. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the team that we've grown. It started with Fred and Ray. And dun, dun, that's dun, dun, it. Dun, dun, and dun, dun. We have gone from that to this full-fledged team mm-hmm. of, of professionals and experts and people who are trying to make the franchising space a better place. Um, so, so, Ray, here's what I want to know. I know people know this story probably, but of how it began. Um, but how did you feel when Fred came to you and said, hey, we're going to do a podcast on the call it pillars of franchising? Basically, I said, What? <laughs> You're crazy, Fred. And then his fr- answer was, yeah, well, his answer he's was, crazy. he's still crazy, but, mm-hmm. you know. And he's still got time, doesn't he? Yeah. He does. But Fred, tell, tell everybody exactly how this began, because it didn't start off as a business. No, it didn't. No. Um, no. Ray and I had dinner in December of 2017. Um, it was two weeks after Martha passed away. Um, and he threw me into PTSD flashbacks and is, as people know me, I tend to tilt at windmills at times. And I thought I must do something. (laughs) And then I thought, let's see if he wants to do a podcast that will solve everything. (laughs) And here we are four years later. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, so here's the thing that, that's kind of fun. For all your antics, Fred, um, that is one of the kindest stories I've ever heard. And I think that that is why you bring a team of people together is people who care about each other, mm-hmm. who want to make each other feel better in times of crisis, and who really have genuine affection for each other. So yeah. I think that's such an important thing to remind people of, that that is where this started. And the way that it has grown has been to continue to bring in people who, who share like the philosophy of life. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, I think the thing that brings us together is that we're all real and mm-hmm. genuine people. Yep. You know, and that's, and, and that includes Nancy too. <laughs> Sometimes I am real. Sometimes I am a robot. It depends where I am. Right. (laughs) Don't get me started. Yeah. (laughs) So, Michelle, what did you think when when Fred comes to you and says, hey, you're going to be our first guest? (laughs) You know, I, I thought, okay, sure. Why not? We'll see how this goes. Uh, because four years ago, obviously there were podcasts around, of course, otherwise Fred wouldn't have thought of, you know, doing a podcast. Um, so they, and we had done some in the past with other people, different subjects, things like that. Mm-hmm. So when he said, hey, will you kind of be our guinea pig, our first guest? I said, sure. And, but in the back of my mind, I thought, well, you know, I could see this thing lasting for a little bit and, you know, we'll yeah. We'll, Peter we'll see how it goes. Well, we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes because so I honestly, and Fred will love to talk about this multiple times a month. Um, <laughs> I did not expect to, you know, see everybody four years later doing this program or this show. So it's awesome. Congratulations to Yay. everyone. And yes, the team that has been built is amazing. And I'm really proud to see where it's gone from that first show. I'm sure I was not a stellar guest. You have now brought on many stellar guests and stellar hosts. So congratulations. I raised my glass or my bottle, I should say. Two <laughs> four years. Drink straight out of the bottle. Absolutely. <laughs> Here's the and to the originators, Fred and Ray, and to the first guest. That's right. That's right. Um, Kristen, what do you see going forward? What do the next four years hold for all of us? Wow. Some of those things I don't even know that I can actually um, talk about yet, but I can tell you now from being what we were, um, we have multiple platforms that we're going to be working from. Not only will we be able to help coach and mentor somebody who's looking to get out of corporate America, whatever job they're in, to buy a franchise, making sure that they have all the information to make the best choice possible. We've obviously got a huge digital magazine presence as well as sponsorships and things that we're working with. Um, We have what we're referring to as a mentorship program for people who already own franchises particularly, but small businesses as well, who just need a little extra help. Usually you see that maybe after year two, maybe one and a half, depending on the franchisor, where people are like, okay, I think I've gotten all the information I can from the franchisor. Now I want to take my business to the next level. So we've got a platform for that. Obviously, Jerry, we've been so blessed to have him and his book 
which has a whole learning platform associated with it. Integrating some of those things will be amazing for us. Um, we're looking at doing some really great things with some big companies in terms of, um, I'll just call it auto fulfillment and leave it at that. Um, and we've got uh, ways for people to invest their money if they're looking to get into franchising without being in franchising. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got um, a, a process where we can help people who have a small business who want to become a franchise. So we've got our hands in um, almost everything franchising, and really it's just every single person we've talked to, you know, even today, last week, who's interested in the show and interested in helping out. I mean, they have the same values. They have the same perspective we have. Everybody's like, listen, I've done what I really needed to do, but now I just want to be able to give back and help people. And so it's been so refreshing to meet people like that. And uh, yeah, I see some great things happening for pillars. I'm not sure where the, where the end is. I, I don't know that we have an end at this point. We just keep continuing on. So, no, but we got to begin with, the end. the end in mind. I knew yes. someone was going there. That's clever, Ray. <laughs> That's too funny. Always bringing it back. Well, I, I I couldn't be happier. You know, I was here and then I was gone and then I was back again and it's like coming home to family. So I couldn't be happier to be here. Oh, wow. I couldn't be prouder of the people that I work with. And when we had our meeting in Chicago and we got to meet everybody in person for the first time, some of us. Um, it, it's a relief to meet people in person and think they, these are the people who I thought they were. Not a single disappointment in the group. <laughs> I think that's what I said when I hugged you, right? I was like, oh, my God, it's really there you are. They're just what I thought you were. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, important. it's so important because we've all been in situations where we weren't with the people who were our people. So right. having your people in the, in the things that you do every single day, is, is exciting. And, and I think to point out one of the things that makes us different is that we have the million dollar mentor program. And the reason that makes it different is because when we have people who counsel you through or mentor you through a buying process or, or growing your business, they are people who have been in the shoes of the people that we're helping of our clients. And so I think that's a huge differentiator for us. And I think it can't be understated yep. how important it is to have people who recognize the investment and the risk that people feel in the beginning stages of owning businesses, especially in franchising. So, I, I, you know, that to me is, is a really exciting thing to be able to tell people we, we know and we care and we're not going to steer you in a direction that we think is going to set you up for failure. We're going to yeah. set you up for success every step of the way. So, and we're all from different backgrounds, right? Which I think is really cool. So, you know, to, uh, last week I talked with somebody who wants to um, – take their restaurant into a franchise concept. Well, good. We have somebody who's done that, who's, who's worked in restaurants, QSRs before, or sit-down restaurants. And then if you get somebody who wants services business, well, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for, we either have the exact, exact fit or a very good fit for somebody who's been in the business. And we're always growing, right? So we also now we just added Karen Kinsey Ford from Dale Carnegie. Um, every addition we make to our team is a compliment to what we already have. And so I think that's a really great thing. And, and we're always looking to add more people, right? So I think that's um, really been a phenomenal way that we've grown the team to make it more valuable. Absolutely. And if we don't have it, we can get it. This is such good information. I apologize for butting in here for a moment. Um, many of you do know, some don't, uh, as, a former, as a former franchisor, which we were about 
15, 20 years ago, there was nothing like this. There weren't franchise consultants. There weren't people. There were just a few people around who could help, but they weren't what is here today. And we didn't make it. We, you know, I always say how I feel that I feel the franchising in a successful way. Right. <laughs> because we bounced back and now serving the, the franchise industry, but that's another story. Right. If, if there had been the, the heads, the intelligence, the mentoring that 20 years ago or 15 years ago, I think it is, that you have today, you'd have a lot more going into it. You would have had a lot more going into it. As it worked out for us, we're fine. We're happy. Small family-owned business. I had dreams of becoming, I don't know if everybody knows what telephone doctor is, but uh, I had dreams of becoming the second Sylvan learning, you know, uh, brick and mortar, uh, yeah. every, every street, every city. Uh, uh, but we're still, we're, we're, we're fairly big and popular and international. We're, we're happy. So that's it. But thank you for doing all you're doing in this industry. Uh, it still means a lot to me, the franchising. Thank you. And We're really going to talk all of how you're helping franchising, too, because you are our special guest today. Oh, I really? We, we, we you are. are. All these famous, popular people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here. It's fun to be on, on these podcasts because, like, you know, you're, 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 you're the real deal, and that's what I am. You know, you screw up and screw up. Yeah. Well, and with that, Ray, would you like to introduce our lovely guest today? Sure, sure. Nancy uh, Friedman has been on the show before, and uh, it's great to have her back. I just like, and I feel that Nancy is is one of the people that are really genuine and and, and real real people, and so to speak, because she she says it like it is, whatever it is. Yep. So uh, I think one of the things that um, I know you, you have, uh, your, your business is, is helping people, especially on the telephone. Is that correct? We help companies communicate better with their customers and coworkers. Right. And all six, six, well, actually now seven touch points of communication, email, voicemail, snail mail, phone, fax, face-to-face, and yes, now even chat. But you're on the right track. Yeah, there you go. Well, you could do it a lot better, and I continue that. Continue <laughs> because you're doing a lot better than I am. <laughs> really? You're on the right track. Yeah. We're a simple, we keep, our motto is, you know, helping companies communicate better with their customers and coworkers. How many of us forget yeah. about our coworkers? Yes. People talk about it, but they don't, they don't do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, but we just, we're a small family-owned business, mother, father, daughter, son. I've stepped back to be chairman, and my son is now president, doing very well with our online learning, serviceskills.com. And I'm, I don't want to say renegated to the back doing Zoom programs because our Zoom programs are going very, very well. Uh, they're fun. They're fast. They're inexpensive. Uh, I've been grounded from travel, so that's another story, but we don't yeah. have to get into that. Uh, it's just been fun. And most of, I would say 80% of my work is in the franchise industry. Uh, and then, of course, there's normal people, as I call them, normal people in the <laughs> corporate world. Well, we just won't even think anything about what you just said there, <laughs> <laughs> okay. We are extra normal. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not taking any votes on that, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so Nancy, you touched on a couple of things here that I want to point out because, you know, when, when people think of the telephone doctor, right, just that name, you're like, okay, well, who actually talks on the telephone today? But you talked about these different touch points, and do you find, especially today, 
after COVID, as more and more people are working remotely, that whether it be Zoom conferences, chat, text messages, did you find there to be a huge gap in how people communicate verbally face-to-face versus how they chat and how they text in terms of style? We've all learned a little bit about how people Zoom. Some people just do this, some people do this, some people shake their hair. I mean, we forget that we're on camera. And so our article, you know, be camera ready for a Zoom meeting, um, and I'll send it to you if you want to post it. It, It's just we all have bugaboos, and we all have – I did an annual meeting for Glass Guru, which I'm proud to say. And I got the recording, and I didn't realize how often I did this, which was – bugging me to death as I watched it. Right. <laughs> it wasn't as often as that. But we all have little oddities that we don't realize we have. And if you watch it, it's like listening on the phone, listening to the calls back. People say, oh, my gosh, did I say that? Yeah, you did. <laughs> you should watch one or two of the the uh, Zoom programs that you do to find out what's going on. But in answer to your question, which I have forgotten already, uh, <laughs> I will say that too many people are using COVID as an excuse. Yeah. The businesses, the businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I walked in the other day to some place and I said, it's not ready. She said, well, it's COVID. <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. It's COVID? Yeah. Wow. And I said to the lady next to me, I said, did you know it was COVID? I mean, who the hell cares? You, you shouldn't have to stand behind something and just say, I apologize. It's not ready yet. Um, right. We all know you're understaffed. We all know you can't get help. I mean, you do need to have a little love and kindness and be patient now. Sure. My husband is a very, very patient man. He's never used any. So you've got to learn to be patient. <laughs> uh, patience is a, is a virtue. And during sure. these times with, with, you know, I don't know of any company that hasn't been affected somehow, some way, no. maybe minor and some so terribly major. Yeah. Uh, somebody talked about the restaurant industry. They get pummeled. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, so you, how do you how do you coach a restaurant? Uh, let, let's take so now a restaurant's a great example for me because you tend to have teenagers or young people working, and then you have like a lot of times the parents like me who are frazzled and running to and fro. Just I just I ordered. I just want to grab my stuff. Like you were in line to grab your things and go. How do you deal with the communication across generations? in a kind of environment like we have today where I'm ready to go and the teenager's doing this with her hair and snapping her gum and she's just kind of, you know, waiting for somebody to get the products ready to go. How do you bridge that gap? Talking to each other and forgetting you. Exactly. How do you bridge that gap when you're talking to people? Well, you know the old saying, and you who are in business, and Jerry and all of you, um, it starts at the top. So if management isn't interested in training, it's not going to get done. It's got to start at the top. When I go into a company, uh, and really it happens mostly in the medical, which I don't like to do anymore, but when I go into a company, let me tell you a true story. It's quick. Um, I used to work with the former CEO of Tribune Broadcasting, WGN Television in Chicago. Kristen, you know that. I do. We're very, very close. I moved down here, and he called me up one day, and he said, I need you to come up. My people are they, they just suck, and we really need you to help me. And I said, okay. So I get up there, date specified. I get up, and I forget what day it was. And we get 80 to 100 people in a room. And my friend, 
who shall remain nameless, but I can share it with you later. Brand CEO, new folks now. <laughs> the CEO of Tribune Grasse says, okay, I'll pick you up for lunch. This was 9 o'clock. I said, where are you going? He's like, at a golf game. And I just looked at him and said, sit down. <laughs> He's like, at a golf game. I said, cancel it. I can't cancel it. Now, I knew him fairly well, so I could be that strong, but I think I would have said it to any CEO. I said, if you're not here, I'm not here. I'm not going to talk to your staff in your behalf. You've got to be here head nodding, participating. Mm -hmm. Yes, I like it. No, I don't. And we had that 10-second stare down that you have with somebody. He said, okay. <laughs> and he came, and he you know, obviously thanked me. He said, I don't know where my head was. Of course I have to be here. But you have no idea, and I don't do it as strongly, but when I get a program, I say, please, you've got to have the management card here. Sure. Uh, it just, it's not that it won't work. It just works better mm-hmm. when you've got top management there. As far as the teenagers, these kids are starved for good they're just starved for good information. I found yeah. that on site, they would come up to me afterwards and say, I never saw, you know, they don't get what we give in high school, grammar school. Yeah. They, they, our, our communication customer service is not a curriculum mm-hmm. in any school that I know of. Uh, oh, they may say, you know, be nice and smile and, you know, do that, but that's not training, obviously. Sure. So I, once I've trained them and they see how easy we make it, I really get good good marks from it, and you know, those that don't have not been trained. I well, mean, I know. Go ahead. So my customers are saying, you know what? And I'm kind of guilty in the same way, right? Please don't call me because I think you're going to be calling me to sell me an extended warranty. So don't call my phone. Just text me and don't email me because I get a thousand a day, and who knows when the heck I'm going to see your email. If you could just send me a quick text with exactly what you need, you are like 99% there, right? But how do we make our text messages smile, right? Because we're always talking about when you pick up the phone, look in the mirror so you're smiling, right? Because if you're smiling when you say, hi, good morning, right? People see and hear that. But how do you make your text messages smile? That's a funny thing. I always start with a smile and say, hi, it's me, Nancy, in case you didn't guess. I mean, there's, there's, each of us have our own personality. I don't want you to be me. I don't want to be Ray. You know, Michelle doesn't sure. want to be Laura. You know, we, so we all have our own personality. And what's really, you know, be true to yourself. And Ray, thank you for that compliment. If you're real and you can find just one area that you can find a little humor in, uh, that's the way to do it. Humor will win out. So mm-hmm. you never send a mad text like you shouldn't send a mad email. Sure. So be careful of that. Just say, you know, I don't mind waiting 100 days, but 110 is a little long. Can you give me an idea? If you can put a smile on the person who's receiving the text, you're a winner. Uh, and there are no special words. Otherwise, I would sell them, okay? <laughs> well, I, have to, I have to guess some of these acronyms. Like uh, my, my, my kids sent me one time, and they are all teenagers, so understand if you know what this stands for, they're teenagers, right? So it's R-O-T-F-L-M-A-O. I'll be right back because I had this texting dictionary. Yes. <laughs> see, I'm like, what are they talking about? So let me look and see what that is. What is that? And then well, let me look it up. Wait a minute. R-O-T-F-L-M-A-O. Oh, something. Rolling on the floor, laughing my off. Yeah. 
automation that allows that to happen properly and I get to write what the text should be. Yeah, good for you. You know, but there are situations in which that doesn't happen. And so I'm just curious, you know, how we combat that and how we make sure that people know what's what's really etiquette when you're texting customers and what's not. You're really lucky that someone, a customer especially, has said how they want to be contacted. Because that's one of my, our first good customer service techniques is, you know, uh, Mr. Pillar, uh, do you prefer email, the phone, text, uh, Pony Express, you know, how do you want to be contacted? <laughs> mail, yeah. mail. So he might say, well, I, I love texting. Okay, mark that down. He loves texting. Right. Somebody right. else will say, oh, my God, I can't stand texting. Please email me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I, you know, then we do get so many emails, and some right. of them are so useless. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a question. Yes, sir. If Nancy, uh, I think, you know, it, even towards the beginning of the show, we always talk about how important it is and how we communicate with our employees. And I think it's uh, uh, recently, because of COVID, it's become even more important how we communicate with us. Can you give us a few tips on, the, on some good ways of making sure we get through to our employees? Well, like anything else, confirmation of a statement is always important. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're face-to-face or when I'm on Zoom, I can say, uh, uh, Michelle, and blah, 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 blah. Does that make sense to you, Michelle? Mm-hmm. And she gets to say yes or I don't understand. So that, that's face-to-face. And we're so lucky when we can either stand in front of somebody or have lunch with somebody or go Zoom somebody. But on the phone, uh, where there's no way to get a facial expression, mm-hmm. you got to just barely ask somebody. Now, I've just asked you, not to uh, take too many breaks. Am I being real? You, is that is that something you can deal with? Is that do you understand that? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, yes. How, how many breaks do you think you you know? There's there's got to be. I don't want to say effort, but there's got to be a little job on on your part right. to get confirmation from the person. Uh, mm-hmm. Putting it in writing is a little strong, unless it's you know spitting on the floor. I'm going to need that in writing. We're not going to spit on the floor anymore. But <laughs> from what I'm hearing, you're just asking normal communication things, right. and you, you're right. looking for for an answer, and mm-hmm. uh-huh is not an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, right. By the way, right. there's not a thing that we share, an idea, tip, skill, technique, whatever it is, that cannot be used within your own family, and that's mm-hmm. a great way to practice boys and girls, is try it on your own kids, your husband. Dick and I, we go back and forth with, we've got a wonderful phrase, you know, I'm a big double checker and I make a big deal about that in training. Mm-hmm. Just when somebody asks you something, say, let me double check that and because that's a confirmation that I'm good and I'm going to double check for you. So yeah. That's, yeah. It's, just, it's a wonderful thing to say to anybody. So mm-hmm. every morning, Dick's up and can't hear me, every morning, without fail, Dick says to me, where are my glasses? Did you see my glasses? <laughs> so I say with a big smile, 
did you double check the bathroom sink? Were they are everyone in there? Let me double check. Yes, you're right, Nancy. They're there. So instead of saying, you know, thou doofus, you know, you left them there all the time. So I just asked him if he's double checked. And there's just so many. We use the KISS method, and I know you all know what that is. Keep it simple, Simon. Uh, right. And if you do, you know yourself that some people complicate things that don't need to be complicated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Including I resemble that. Yes, yes. So it, you know, I, have, I wish I had a magic bullet. Like I said, I'd sell it. Yep. <laughs> well, Nancy, thank you so much. We always appreciate you coming on and talking to us. And the article that you mentioned, Lucky, that's in our digital magazine this month that came out on the 1st of February. Well, good for you. You guys are so much fun to be with, Elizabeth, and Ray always is. Where's Franco? He left already. Yeah, We don't let him out of the pen often. I, yeah, right. I understand why. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But well, I, am, I am easy to find online. Link in with me if you haven't. Um, and thank you very much for, for allowing me to be on your God bless your celebration. Four years. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Nancy Friedman, F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N, right? Correct. Did I get it? Excellent. Nancy it right. Friedman, you can find her on LinkedIn as the telephone doctor. Thanks. Thank you very much, Nancy. We look forward Thank to you, talking Nancy. to you again soon. A pleasure. A pleasure. Jerry, nice seeing you. Do I sign off or stay for the rest? You can do whatever hey, you franchise want. owners. How is your local marketing Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. Well, hello. Kristen, how are you today? <laughs> Jerry, it's Friday Eve. Friday Eve, let's have a, well, we already had a celebration. Let's have another one. Look, let's, let's all pitch in. Yeah, I love Friday Eve. You know that. And I love doing our Pillars of Franchising show. And I love it when all of a sudden things pop up and I'm like, well, look at here. Now today I get to talk to you about narrowing the selection in franchising. And, and what a great topic it is, right? And as we, as we try and help people to find the right franchise and stuff like that, this will be one of, the, one of the best chapters, one of the best investments they could have. And the chapter is so big and there's so much yeah. information in it. All I can do is just touch on it today. But I, I do want to revisit something real quickly. Yeah. How about that Nancy Friedman lady? Holy cow. She what has more energy. Stuff. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, she said some things when, when you were talking a little bit about, you know, expressing a smile and you're talking on the phone and things like that. It makes me go back to my, my childhood when I was running a, uh, a uh, telemarketing company, one of the first ones in the area. And uh, 
I remember putting uh, mirrors up on the wall of the cubicles people worked in. So they would smile at themselves and it would come across to clients and so on. So there's a lot of little tricks and Nancy is the queen of all of that stuff. So that was great information. Yes, absolutely. It took me back to my call center days. That's why I brought it up. You have to smile when you answer the phone. Yeah. So um, in this chapter, now last week we talked a little bit about my history in trying to find a franchise. And right. the fact there were no systems, no processes, nothing. And right. uh, how I spent so much time in my car and my highlighter looking at industry magazines and highlighting and sticky note and things and stuff like that. And it was just a, it was a convoluted mess, but it was still some sort of a process that I could handle. Well, sure. Over the years of, of mentoring franchisees and potential franchisees, I've come up with a system that we call our SORT system, S-O-R-T. Mm-hmm. And S stands for search. Yep. O stands for organize. R stands for rank. And then T stands for test. And, you know, it, this, is, this is such a big difference from back in the day when I was going through my process. Mm-hmm. Um, big differences you know, and, and one of the things people need to understand at, at heart, there is such a large difference between telling a friend that you work somewhere and telling somebody that you own a business. Oh, yes. Huge difference, right? Yeah. So the pride and the ego and things like that that go with owning your own business need to start when you're choosing which business you're going to go into. You've got to be able to find something that you do have that pride in, that you want to be engaged in, and those kinds of things. So following some sort of a process, whether it's my sort process or something else, can be critical. It can be life-changing. It can be business-saving or salvaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many things that go with it. So I do want to focus on a few things in my few minutes here sure. and then suggest people dig further into it. Maybe uh, whether you buy the book or just borrow it or whatever, get more information because this chapter – would by itself would be worth whatever the cost of the book is. The rest of it's kind of free. So um, one of the things that that I know, and I think most of the the listeners know, is that, you know, people like us, and when I say us, I mean entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. we're different than the rest of the world. (laughs) Yes, we we are. (laughs) Sometimes different is good and some of it's bad, right? But, But the good part, one of the things, and, and anybody that knows me and has observed me working in my, in my climate will tell you, I've usually got my phone, my computer, and my iPad and a notepad all scattered right here, and I'm running them all at the same time. Yep. Because entrepreneurs, you know, we go fast, and we break yeah. things. Uh, and yes. <laughs> when we break things, we learn from it so we don't break it again. So having the tools close by of which the sort method is one of the tools that we use. But, you know, when entrepreneurs are involved, especially when they're, and I'll call them baby entrepreneurs, the ones that are considering a franchise and trying to figure out where they want to go with that path and all of those kinds of things, there are a lot of things to consider and virtually none of them think about. On their list is choosing a franchise. That's it. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things that go along with that and what you're going to be responsible for and so on. So many people at that point in time don't stop to think about the fact they're going to be signing contracts Oh yeah. worth, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And all they're worried about is choosing a franchise. They don't think about the next step That's that goes right. with that. So factoring that into your method or your process is a big thing. 
What kind of contracts are you going to sign? How much money will that equate to? You've got to think about leases because yep. if you're a retail type establishment, you may be signing multiple leases for 10-year periods that you're committed to. Even if you close your business, you're sure. still committed to those. Well, and that's a good point because a lot of people, if you think about just the 15 years that I've been in business, right, we've gone through a recession we've, and just you start to recover, things are going great, and then all of a sudden, oh, COVID hits. So there's some kind of a cyclical, I'll call it a mini disaster that seems to happen every 10 to 12 years. And, and if you're not if you're not informed about those kinds of things, they can be devastating. What if you go no. to business in five years and you're in a 10 year contract for equipment in a building? And we hear that story in mentoring every day. We hear right. about people that get to the point they have to close their business and they've signed a personal guarantee. That's another yep. term that people need to understand, a personal guarantee for that lease. So it has nothing to do with the business. When the business closes, if there's still lease term, you're gonna to continue to make those yeah. payments or come to some sort of a financial uh, agreement with the landlord to get you out of whatever's left of the lease. So there's some big things. And the other thing people don't realize is the dollar volume they're going to be talking about as opposed to what they're used to in their personal life. You know, mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars are things we seldom talk about in our personal life, but they became become very common when you start getting into franchising. So, when you start to think about that and making the decisions, the sort method is, again, a process. It mm -hmm. makes decisions easier because back in the day when I was sitting in my Nissan Sentra highlighting, <laughs> you know, magazines and all that kind of stuff, some of the line items that I might have highlighted in different color codes were the cost to get into the franchise, uh, how engaged you have to be, you know, how many licenses might be there, how many units does the franchise or currently have open. Because that'll show, yeah, that'll show that they're successful or not, right? Yep. So in this, this and, and I'll dare people to do this right now. Open in your browser, you know, and just query franchise opportunities and see how big the number is that comes back to you. Yeah. I mean, I did that a while back when we were researching the book. I put that in, and it was 62 million. Wow. <laughs> Because the term franchise opportunities doesn't just mean there's a franchise available. It's That's everything right. to do with all of that. Mm -hmm. And now all the you look people at that, that are involved, right? All yeah. the people that are involved are under franchise opportunity. Yeah. So when you look at that, think about how difficult it is to sort through all of that. So, so our system is built all around building, basically building a spreadsheet based on the sort method. So if you were to do that, what you want to do is then start narrowing down, you know, the search profile if mm -hmm. you will. And part of that is by using keywords, of course, so franchise opportunities. But then you talk about a search string, which to many people might be common sense, but a lot of others it won't be. So okay. in a search string, perhaps you would put franchise opportunities in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Okay, so we've got a string. So that again limits it again. And then other terms that you could put in there is something about uh, cost. So franchise opportunities in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, between uh, $100,000 and a million dollars or whatever parameters you want to put in there. And right. then, then what you're going to do is start organizing that information. So um, what I suggest people do is create a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And the first three categories I want them to put in is the franchise name, the web address, and an area for notes. Because then... As you go across that thing, you've got all the information you need plus everything you thought about when you were researching that thing. 
and maybe you put some priorities in there or something like that. Now, as, as you go through there, that allows you uh, an, a lot of opportunities to make some decisions on the fly that you may eliminate some things before you go any further, right? And then I want you to try and minimize it to, I'll call it the dirty dozen, you know, that dozen or 10 that really yep. leap out at you right away and put them on, on the axis, right, on the other side of that. And then as you're going up, as you're going across further, I want you to put in some things that, that help you compare and contrast. So some of the criteria might be cost. Mm -hmm. And then when you go down that column, I want you to put in a grade from, from zero to 10 on where that ranks on your scale. Nobody else is your scale. So if you think you're, gonna, you're willing to invest $100,000 and it's $200,000, maybe it gets a one. Uh -huh. If it's if it's eighty to a hundred thousand dollars, maybe that's a ten. And what you're going to do is continue along doing that process. So you're going to look at the phase of growth. In other words, how many units do they have? And you're going to put all kinds of things down there that uh, you know relate to that. So a uh, uh, phase of growth. If they've got ten units out, maybe that's a one. If they've mm -hmm. got hundred and ten, maybe that's a nine or something. And right. you see where I'm going with this? Is you put in more columns. So location. Is it home based? Do you have a retail place that you got to have? Will you be signing a lease? Uh, number of territories, number of units, as I said. Uh, is, it, is it an existing unit or is it a, you know, a brand new one that you're going to be building and what's your comfort okay. level with that? There's a long list of different things for each person that might be pertinent that they can put across that axis and then put a number in. And then you know where I'm going. At the bottom, you're going to just tabulate that. You're going to put a total in for each of those. Mm -hmm. And what that's going to do is give you an opportunity to, with you know, kind of without thinking about it, rank them and come up with maybe the top two or three or four according to that grading system. Yep. This is simple, very easy to manage, very easy to use, and you can go back and pistol whip it any way you want to or pencil whip it or whatever yep. to make it say what you want it to, but at least it gives you a process that you can go through, right? More columns, more criteria leads to better decisions. And then what you do once you have that done, you've ranked it, and then you're going to go back and you're going to look at those top three or four, and you're going to go through a longer process where you do a little more research on those, gather a little more information, and, and maybe have conversations with your advisors. We always talk about your top three advisors, right? Your accountant, CPA slash person, your attorney, and your banker. So you may go have discussions with those people about your ranking system, why you put the numbers you did in, the ones that came out at the top, and how you consider those. They may have a different take on some of that. But the bottom line is you followed a process that led you to a, a solution of three or four. You get other people involved in it. That helps you do the, the testing after you've ranked them. And it will become much easier to take 62 million hits right. and boil it down to three or four. I wanted to point out, Jerry, you said something about, you know, when you talk to your to your lawyer and to your accountant, I mean, I, and I want to revisit, we've talked about this a lot of times before, make sure if you're looking into franchising that you're talking with somebody who's familiar with franchises. So franchise lawyers are very different than a regular business lawyer, right? They're familiar with the relationships, they're familiar with things that can be changed in the FDD. As well, when you talk to your accountant, you know, a lot of these things, you have to look at where you are financially, which tax bracket you're in, and what would benefit you most. Are you an S-Corp, a C-Corp? That could have to do with how you're financing your business. So there's a lot of different things that come into play. Don't think you can just call up the guy at H&R Block 
or go to your family attorney for this kind of help because there's specialty folks out there that you need when you're going into franchising. Well, you bring up an excellent point because there's so many potential franchisees that I talk to and mentor and help with the process. Mm -hmm. And most of them are just going to go to the same uh, attorney that, you know, did their will or something like that, who has no franchise experience. And I have to help educate the attorney on things that you can and can't do, which is sad right. because I'm a long ways from an attorney, but I've done this long enough. I understand. Exactly. You would be surprised how many attorneys would advise a prospective franchisee on how they can go back to the franchisor and change the FDD mm-hmm. because they don't understand FDDs. That's, a, yeah. that's government regulated. They spend a lot of money putting it together every year to meet the mandates and they're not changing it. They don't. That's right. They don't need you as a franchisee bad enough to go through that process. So you will have to amend your approach to what the FDD says, or you have to choose a different brand. But great points, Kristen. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. I have to tell you one great thing for those of you going, oh, my gosh, it's so much work. It's so much work. It is a lot of work. Now, you can call us, go on the website with your dream starts here, and Jerry can help with the process, I can help with the process with some tools that we have access to that maybe some of you don't. Um, but this is, you know, this is all the information, this is all the data that goes into shopping for a franchise. So, um, but I want to say, Jerry, in your book, and for those listening, um, the great thing about your book is it does really read like a story. And so when you talk about that Nissan, you know, I had a vision in my mind of here you are in the passenger seat filled up to the windows with <laughs> files and markers all over. And I mean, really, the book is a great read. So if you have an opportunity to get your hands on it, please do. Make sure you have highlighters and page flags because you're going to need them. Well, you know, first off, that's exactly what the Nissan looked like. And I had to move a pile of stuff every time I took my wife somewhere. So, yeah. Um, and, yes, there were highlighters and page flags and all that everywhere. And yeah. you will use that. If you were to buy this book and use it, it truly is a guide from when you start thinking about a franchise to grand opening and all the way beyond that. So I'm not tooting my own horn or trying to sell them. But, yeah. honest to gosh, if you're thinking about a franchise, it is worth many, many, many times what you'll uh, spend for it. Absolutely. And if you're if you're like me, Kristen, you see Fred hovering, and you know, I know. why he's hovering, right? I know. Mm-hmm. Be ready. So, he might try to stump you today. Who's to say? We never know. So, Fred, is there any other questions that you have for me besides the one I know you're ready to ask? Yes, I do, actually. So today's <laughs> question of Stump Jerry is, some of us <laughs> know hard. that, some of us know that in, you started out life as an Iowa farm boy. Um, a few other people know that for a while you had a, a feedlot and then were killed by mad cow disease. And I understand a bit about my Reincarnated. Cow, something like that. <laughs> so my question is, is, what did you learn while owning a feedlot that helped you become the super franchisee that you are? And, you know, you have a billion different grade clips, so that makes you a super franchisee in my my part. Well, Fred, the, the great question, because I, I think everything we do in life is a learning process that you can, if you keep that information, it's valuable in the future. You know, um, my banker and I had this conversation many times. First off, uh, that was the first time 
other than land purchases that I dealt with writing $100,000 checks when two potloads of cattle, baby cattle, pull up and they unload, right? So the banker and I had some long conversations about that because point two is some of them are going to die. And I mean die prematurely, which means you're out that money. That's got to factor into your cost. So when you think about that from a business standpoint, whether it's a franchise or raising cattle, you got to understand not all of these things are going to work out. Your plans, as far as a pro forma and a business plan, they're not going to always hit uh, where you want them to be. Your break-even point might be pushed out a little further because of COVID, because of supply chain issues, because of demand for real estate, because of all kinds of things. All of those things I learned very clearly when I was, uh, my part-time job was farming and raising cattle. Another thing, insurance. So those cattle deaths can be covered by insurance. So making sure you're properly insured. Insurance doesn't just necessarily come with signing a contract and paying money to insurance company in case something burns down or whatever. Some of the insurance is making sure you've got the right processes in place so that your path through your business cycle stays fairly consistent instead of having peaks and valleys. Almost all of that came through my learning path through corporate America and raising cattle. Really interesting question, Fred. Thank you. That is actually, and you did a great job tying those two together. I was saying to Elizabeth, oh my gosh, the tagline is feedlot to franchising. Your next book. <laughs> the next We're book title. Started for you, Jerry. Next if book's you already written, Fred. Can't change it now. Yeah, All right. If you, if you haven't figured out franchising, go buy a feedlot and then. <laughs> no, don't do that. Come. I don't recommend anybody does that. <laughs> so, Fred. Question yes, I'm assuming. You want to know if now is a good time, right? Yeah, bring it, bring it. Is it a good time to buy a franchise? You know, it is a great time to buy a franchise, and I don't want to sound, sound like I'm beating the same drum. And I have new information today that proves that this is a great time. And this comes from IFA, the International Franchise Association. I'm just referring to my notes so I get the numbers right, guys. But on February 2nd, they released their 2022 franchising outlook report and this is a survey of existing franchisees all across many 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 systems uh in 22 uh, it's the third year of dealing with the covid pandemic so they were unsure what kind of feedback they would get so let me share some numbers with you 70 percent of franchisees and 84 percent of franchisors rate their opportunity for growth in 2022 as strong or very strong Think about that. Roughly 80%, 70 to 80% say that 2022 growth is going to be strong or very strong. Um, the same survey shows um, that uh, revenues are now equal to or higher than pre-pandemic levels. Again, a huge crossroads. 88% mm -hmm. of franchisees say they enjoy operating their business in an era of COVID and short staffing. 88% still say they enjoy uh, operating their business. And I think this is even more telling. This next one really grabbed my attention. 86% of existing franchisees say they enjoy being a part of their franchise system. How powerful awesome. is it when the people who are paying the bills say, I am really glad I joined this and I'm a part of it. So there you go, Fred. That's real awesome. numbers, not just Jerry saying it's a good time. Well, I'm glad, you. I'm glad you're going into our fifth year with us. <laughs> Absolutely. It'll be I, great. Thanks. 
I have to think that that's probably a lot of the uh, Zors stopping during this pandemic and reevaluating where they are, what they can do to help. And obviously it reflects the number of franchisors that made sure to check on their franchisees and offer assistance through the pandemic. So I think that's Absolutely. great. That's great. Awesome. Jerry, thank you again, as always. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week with more great information and more updates. And another strange question from Fred. All right, as always, thank you to Jerry Akers. We want to welcome two new sponsors to the show. Franchise 247 is the first one. The Franchise Show 247 virtual platform provides access to best-of-breed franchise information all in one place. With seminars and guides on franchising, Franchise Show 247 offers a continual exhibit to find all things franchising. To find them, visit FranchiseShow247.com. Our second sponsor is the Titus Center for Franchising. It is the only dedicated university center in the country focused on enabling students to master the principles of business franchising. For students interested in business and business franchising, the Titus Center provides unparalleled opportunities to hone their knowledge and learn from the most respected leaders in the field. To find out more information about them, visit tba.edu, um, and you can Google Titus Center for Franchising. It comes right up. We'd also like to encourage anyone who has questions to call in, 323-580-5755. We can get Jerry back on if we need. And we have Laura List, um, franchise attorney, coming up next. So feel free to message us or give us a call to ask her questions as well. Hey, welcome, Laura. You're on mute, just so you know. Oh, there you go. Good. See, you're faster Don't worry. Than me. <laughs> Don't worry, Kristen. I was just waiting for you to do the intro. Yeah, well, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Um, we know that you are a franchise attorney, and you help franchisees and, and some franchisors as well, right? So kind of both sides of the coin? Yeah, we find that we have really great experiences in the industry because we are every day talking to both sides, right? We don't have just one perspective. Uh, we know what's affecting our franchisee clients on the ground. And we also know the kind of protections and growth that our franchisors are looking for. That's awesome. So today, let's focus a little bit on a franchisee, somebody looking to buy a franchise. What are some of the critical pieces that you would advise people to look for um, when getting ready? Obviously, Jerry talked about kind of his sort system, but what are some red flags and things that you would recommend to people if they're trying to go out and do this on their own? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of what Jerry shared is really critical advice for when they actually are reviewing a, a franchise concept. Um, but I think that even more fundamentally, and maybe he's touched on this in, in prior weeks of the show, is to really think about things that you could or couldn't see yourself doing as a potential franchisee. Um, you know, we've all heard about the labor shortages, right? And depending on what kind of business it is, you know, you might have to be called in one day to help run your store. Yeah. Um, if you can never see yourself, you know, flipping burgers <laughs> yeah. or, you know, running a deep fryer, uh, probably food is not the right path for you, right? Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I mean, I have a client who um, – we just bought a, an existing location of a franchise, you know, and she already owns one. This will be her second. And, you know, the seller was having to be in the store all the time because he found out that his uh, front desk person had actually been stealing. Oh. Okay. So, 
you know, just like any business, you have to be able to be in the store if, in fact, you lose a manager or you lose a, you know, person who's really supposed to be there if you aren't planning to be there, which is another fundamental question. Um, Like Jerry referenced, you know, what kind of time commitment are you planning to put into the business? Uh, Is it something where you are looking to do full-time best efforts or are you looking to, you know, be semi-retired and have this as an income stream, but you know, maybe you go around and you check on your store, you know, twice a week, and otherwise you have right. free time. You know, that's are... actually such a good point. Uh, today we were talking with somebody who wants some assistance in helping buy a franchise. And so we were talking about, you know, well, what kind of lifestyle are you looking for and what is your current situation? And this guy has two young kids and right. looking at a retail concept. And I said, if that's what you want, but I want you to think about <laughs> Pretty soon, you're going to have room parties. You're going to have all these different things coming up with your kids. And if you're okay not being there, that's fine. But I just want you to understand what kind of sacrifices you may be having to make. Right. And a lot of that is also evaluating what is the potential profitability of the business. Um, for example, in some concepts, you know, if you only have one location, right, you may need to really be there. You really can't afford to have you know, and a manager, uh, sure. maybe, you know, a couple of days a week. So you have a little time off, but not full time. And right. so what you're explaining uh, is a very plausible reality if the numbers are just not there. Yep. Right. Um, and so, you know, if you say to yourself, okay, it is important for me to be home with my kids and be there, um, you know, basically 2 p.m. onwards, you know, so you can be ready for when they get home from school then you need to be evaluating that in your analysis of picking a concept. Yeah. And sometimes we have people who come on and, you know, the, the reality is they don't know what they don't know yet. Right. 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 So when yeah. you say, Oh, I have, okay, well, let me tell you how that worked out. <laughs> because <laughs> things come up. And, right. and yes, they, they come up. Mm-hmm. It's COVID. And guess what? Your kids are going to take a year and a half off of school and they're going to be homeschooling. So yep. and those are very all. definitely all franchisees have been and business owners in general, right? Sure. Um, have been very challenged by COVID. It's um, I would say it's unusual, but here we are in what I jokingly call season three of yep. the pandemic, and you know it's it's not new anymore, right? right? We all have to be evaluating this, and I think that franchisee candidates are evaluating it. You know, mm-hmm. um, they've we've seen so many candidates who are picking franchising because they are burnt out of corporate America and, you know, they are very open to doing and and working hard. You know, they're not people who are just looking for something easy, right? Right. They're looking to put their whole life savings in. They're looking to take out loans. Mm -hmm. They're looking to mortgage their house. Yeah. Big decisions. (laughs) These These are not people who are necessarily looking for an easy way out, but they know that they're no longer interested frequently in corporate America. So, Laura, as a franchise attorney, what are some of the big red flags that you have to review with some of these folks that are looking to get into franchising or some of the things that you talk about? So, yeah, that's that's a great question. For for some clients, I like to tailor it to what they are looking for, right? There's, you know, we could say, okay, you know, we think that the profitability is not there. You know, we can look at that. Um, We can look at, you know, for example, that they're not going to get territory protection. Um, Those kind of things can be red flags in any system, but I think it's really important also for what we were just talking about to think about, are there red flags that are really custom to the potential franchise buyer? Mm -hmm. You know, is this something where, oh, that's going to be a problem, 
um, from what you just told me, because it's, it's not always the case that what's a problem to one person is a problem to another person. Sure. Or even a spouse. <laughs> or even a spouse. I, I do hear, and I do have a lot of the time on my calls or my meetings, um, you know, I, I push them to bring their spouse, actually. You know, yeah. it's only one of them who calls me. Um, I'm like, you know, please, please, if you can, have the spouse on, because otherwise you're going to be trying to explain what I explained to you, mm-hmm. and hopefully you get it. <laughs> I really mm-hmm. do hope that you get it after we talk. Right. But, so if they have follow-on questions, it's much simpler when we're all sitting together um, to, to just answer those really quickly, you know, so that way they have that peace of mind because, you know, usually if one spouse isn't interested in the opportunity or they think it's too risky, uh, that's going to it's gonna shut it down, you know. Sure. They're not going to make the investment. I think the one important thing I want to make sure that um, we talk about, and just briefly, we, because I want to do another um, show with you to talk about the details, but... The one document I would say is probably the most important, and I assume that you go through that um, very, uh, very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, with great care, let's say. Thoroughly. Yeah, thoroughly. There you go. That's the word I was going <laughs> to um, Is the FCD, the Franchise Disclosure Document. Is that mm-hmm. probably the number one thing? That yeah, that's our, that's our number one review um, mm-hmm. item. You know, because usually clients, what happens in our process is that clients have already done a lot of the review work, uh, like Jerry was explaining earlier in the show, right? Mm-hmm. They've already gotten to that point. And so when they come to us, they're really there to make sure that what they think they know is actually what's in the document, right? Sure. Um, you know, a lot of our conversations are me saying, okay, this is what this says. Is this what you heard? <laughs> is this point. what you think you are getting? Yeah, um, the legal ease of the document, right? <laughs> right. Um, I had one actually very recently. I will not name names. Um, just last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very expensive concept, okay? Um, it is a concept where to, to do one, one location, okay? Not buying any real estate, okay? Uh, at least minimum $4 million projected <gasps> buy-in, okay? So it's probably one of the most expensive concepts I've ever reviewed, Um more often than not, I'm reviewing concepts where it costs maybe $500,000 <laughs> right. to do it. Okay, so don't think that I'm doing these crazy concepts all the time. However, okay, so you would think, man, everything in this FCD, you know, is going to be immaculate, right? Because sure. you are asking for such a high level of investment that, you know, they need to bring their A game. No, yeah. no. This document um, was a mess. Frankly. Wow. And... It was a really meaningful conversation with a client who was thinking about making this investment, you know, and everybody feels like they're making a big investment, whatever your sure. purchase price is. You feel yep. like you're stretching usually. Yep. It's all relative. Um, yep. And, you know, they were kind of taken aback that they were not being taken as seriously as they were taking the concept that these people couldn't even put together a document mm-hmm. or have it put together, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I write these as well as I review them. And so I know how this could have been, you know, pretty easily put together yeah. transparently. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating to have to tell a client that because they're really excited by the time sure. they come to me. You know, by the time they come to me, they are so sold. Yeah. <laughs> they're bought in. Yeah. Right. Cause Cause they're spend, <laughs> right. But it's, but it is important because if you think about, you know, what Jerry was saying about the, the lifetime commitment of how much they're really going to spend, right. Yeah. Whether that's, um, in the initial build out, 
if it's a retail concept or it's mm-hmm. just in paying royalties, you know, over the years, whatever yeah. it is. Okay. You know, there's a lot of money that's changing hands here and yeah. they're going to make money, you know, hopefully, Absolutely. likely, but you know, if they're not going to, if they're not budgeting to spend, you know, maybe two or $3,000 on an attorney, you know, I, I think it's almost a red flag to say, okay, are you really taking this seriously? A four million dollar concept right. for a small two three thousand dollar investment. Right. Or even if it's five hundred or a million. Yep. You know? Um, it's it's really challenging to feel like, you know, are you taking yourself seriously? Are you taking your savings seriously? Yeah. Um, you know, would you spend money on you know, you you most people who have investments, for example, even if they're just, you know, their own savings, right? You're paying some kind of advisor. Either right. for like a plan every year, or you're paying for you know a percentage of whatever your invested assets are. Yeah. Uh, and so you are paying for that. And yeah. so if you're not paying for it for this, it's it's almost kind of troubling. You know, I worry about those people. I'm like, yeah. did you really know what you're getting into? Well, you really provide almost like an insurance policy, right? Mm-hmm. Because right. I yeah, know I mean, we we want to tell them everything that could come up. That's yeah. exactly right. You know, we talk about, for example, you know, I make a joke. I'm like, well, you know, we're not even at day one yet, but we're going to talk about uh, what happens at renewal in 10 right. years. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, because you need to know that before you've invested 500000 or $4 million or whatever. Whatever um, it is. This. Right. Yeah. Laura, I am so glad that we had you on the show today, and I know that you're going to be a recurring guest for us now. And uh, I know that we've got a lot of topics that we can cover with you. So, um, again, for those, I see you, Freddie. So, for those of you listening, please keep in mind um, that Laura has a wealth of information. So, if you have questions, this is a great, uh, a great forum to get some of those questions out, whether you go online, whether you uh, use the call-in number. And, again, she'll be on again here in the future. So, watch our website to see when that next date is. Fred, go ahead, please. All right. So, one, welcome to the beginnings of year five. I seem to remember we had somebody from Fran Law on in our first year or two. Do you know them? That may be. Yeah, I, I have heard. So I actually practiced with my father, um, who's Michael List, and he's been a franchise attorney for his whole career as well. Uh, and so, yeah, we are very uh, fortunate to have been on the show and um, you know, it's great that you guys are bringing so much educational material to your listeners. Now for the question. Obviously, okay. from what you and Chris have been talking about, you've gone through a whole lot of FDDs. When you're doing that, how many of your clients fall asleep? <laughs> uh, none, because I make it very interactive. So my process is not something where I just sit there and talk at you, right? I say, okay, this is who they said is their management people. And I say, who did you meet? How were they? Did they, you know, like I, I will tell me. Um, and, and so it, it is a lot more interactive. You know, I will ask them and we will talk uh, in great depth, for example, about, okay, this is what it says the estimated initial investment is. Um, you know, how are you planning to pay for this? You know, we'll get in and talk about their financing options. I had one, um, you know, short story, maybe a month or so ago that was looking at doing a, a hair removal franchise. Um, you know, not a super expensive concept fine but um you know she asked me to review her her loan documents too and i was like okay sure yeah i'll look at them you know so we had that as well as the fcd to go through and um 
you know, for anybody who knows about how much, uh, you know, an SBA might, loan might charge you right now in terms of an interest rate, you are about to fall out of your chair, okay? Uh, this was being proposed to her to be financed at like 13%. <gasps> Uh, right. Wow, we're back in the eighties. You know, and and I was like, yeah, well, it makes sense why they're really pressuring you to sign this now because yeah, they really want you. You know, they basically are treating you like a sucker. You uh-huh. know. Um. So it's a very interactive conversation. People do not fall asleep. Um. No, that's not an issue in my meetings. <laughs> I still awesome. say the FDD is the greatest cure for insomnia known to mankind. <laughs> and that's that why you shouldn't be. go it alone, right? Don't that's, go it that's alone. That's right. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> well, Laura, how would people uh, reach out and find you? Should they uh, have a need for a franchise attorney right now before they sign that big old document and write the check? Absolutely. So our website is franlaw.com. We actually have a trademark for it. And you can reach me at Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at franlaw.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. I can't wait to get you back on the show to talk about more. What people might think is boring, but franchise law is not boring at all. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. Yeah, thank you so much, Laura. And we'd like to uh, thank all of you for joining us on the show today and thank our special guest, Nancy Friedman with The Telephone Doctor. Also, thank you to Laura List of Fran Law, our franchise attorney today. And please be sure to like, share, comment on this episode. And as always, thank you to Karen Kimsey Ford, Ray Pillar, David Kajanik, and Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentors, for their insight and wisdom. I am Kristen Shelmetsi. I am your fifth Million Dollar Mentor. And together, we are your resource for franchising success. This has been Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts here.